Hello, and welcome to episode 12 of the Starside Lounge. Uh, I'm Bjorn, and with me, as always, is Xenos. Hello. Hey, Xenos. We got Speed Racer. Hey, guys. And special guest to talk about uh, lore and Destiny 2 and story is Rakashingo. Howdy. (laughs) Howdy. Uh, Yeah, so there's this thing called Destiny 2, I guess. I missed, you know, the intro. The <laughs> announcement, so I'm a little behind. Moving kind of does that to you, huh? Yeah, a little yeah. bit, a little bit. But the so uh, you just know it exists. That's pretty much it. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Have you heard of Gary? I've I heard of Gary. <laughs> We're gonna we'll get to Gary later when we talk about the <laughs> E3 trailer. Let's see here. Um, before we jump too much into new Destiny Two stuff, this is the week of E3. Um, we've got just a bunch of news coming out of the conference. Um, besides Destiny, Speed Racer, yeah. what are you most looking forward to out of E3? Game wise, or I mean, uh, well, for sure, there's plenty. Uh, from Microsoft, Anthem looks pretty awesome. Um, Metro, I've never actually played a Metro game, but that one looked pretty intriguing. And then you guys know I'm a Sony guy, especially with their first party single you know single player lineup so horizon dlc i'm super excited about uncharted dlc uh, days gone actually looked a lot better than i was expecting it to uh, when they showed it six months ago it looked interesting but not necessarily anything i needed to pay a whole lot of attention to uh, but i think the what they showed this time it's come a long way i think so yeah pretty excited about the next year and a half or so of gaming. Cool. How about you, Raga? I think the only thing I'm really looking forward to out of all of E3 is the, the next Life is Strange game. Mm-hmm. I uh, was trying to not pay attention to that trailer because I still haven't played the first one, and I didn't yes. want to like accidentally remember oh. something that uh, would be important. Nah, I think you'd be okay. But uh, I definitely that's like on my list. Everybody's saying you got to play it. Yeah. yeah, I've got it. Got it downloaded. Just haven't started it yet. Ooh. And how about you, Zenos? Uh, for me, probably Metro. I was a big fan of the last two games, and I'm actually not a big fan of uh, games just going open world just for the just for the heck of it. <laughs> but for Metro, it's actually a really perfect fit for it because it's a like post-apocalyptic very heavy on survival aspects so it's actually like perfect fit for open world so i'm actually really looking forward to that let me ask you what's the the theme of it what what caused the apocalypse Uh, Uh, nuclear war so it's it's basically like kind of fallout similar in that like all the monsters that are around are um as a result of mutations Mm -hmm. so and it's sorry Good. It's just a lot more survival-esque. Like, the currencies are all bullets. So, like, you have bullets that they made post-apocalyptic, uh, post-apocalypse, and those are, like, the ones you use all the time, but they're not as good. And the real good currency is, like, pre-apocalypse bullets. So you don't want to use them, but they're really effective because they're worth a lot of money. <laughs> right. So it's, like, a really interesting twist on on like currencies and 
yeah, stuff like cool. that. How many Berlin. Metro games have there been? This will be the third. Okay. I haven't played any of them. I myself uh, am... I was curious about Anthem. I didn't know anything about it. It looks freaking gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Um, I hope the gameplay holds up to that level. Um, and I'm curious about the new hardware. Xbox One X. <laughs> yeah. Shortened to Xbox. With, yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm curious to see, you know, they make big claims. and I'm, I'm curious to see how well it's going to actually perform in the real world once we get it out there. But it was less expensive shipping than I thought. I was definitely set for six or $700, like, in my head. Wow. Wow. But I don't know, 4K is, like, that's a lot of pixels to be pushing. So they got some sort of voodoo up their sleeve. Yeah, the, th- the thing that gives me the most hope on it is just how impressed... Uh, the, the different outlets are and different mm-hmm. publishers. Um, like pretty much I haven't really seen anybody have anything negative to say aside from the price, but uh, the people that know the technical side of it say the price is actually about as reasonable as they could have made it. So, yeah. Yeah. What was the yeah, one game? Oh, go ahead. Phil Spencer was doing and I, I totally get what he was saying about how the developers, they're really, liking it and taking advantage of it it's a lot easy for the it's since they're already developing for pc generally it's easy for them to to take that right over to the xbox one x but at the same time i i it's a hard sell not just because of the price but because i'm one of those people that doesn't care that much about 4k 60 fps and that stuff so right yeah i mean just uh, you know i could buy Two Xbox One S's or a PS4 <laughs> and an Xbox One S for the same price. Yeah. Right. I mean, but when the new consoles shipped, I mean, the original Xbox, like everything, that's sort of the next generation price point. It's it's weird that this is like a half generation step and they're pricing it that way. Well, this is also more expensive than even when the Xbox One and PS4 hit the market. The last time a console hit the market above 400 was the PS3, and that did not turn out well at all. Yeah. Was the Xbox One? No, the Xbox One. I thought it was. No, 500. the Xbox One was five hundred because yeah, okay. it was with the Connect, and then when they got yeah, rid of the Connect, oh, yeah. it dropped down. Because yeah, I bought mine at three ninety nine. And you later. could probably say that a big reason that Sony jumped out to a lead was because it was a hundred dollars cheaper. Oh yeah, it, that was absolutely the reason, and uh, and honestly, I mean, just Xbox switching uh, presidents basically made a huge difference because. Mm-hmm. Because the previous one was very like they're going to do what they want to do, and they weren't too keen on taking people's feedback. And and now we have Phil Spencer, and Phil Spencer is one hundred percent about what the consumer wants. We're going to try our best to do. So I'm really happy with the direction they're going, even if it means you know we're going to have some times like a five hundred dollar Xbox. One X, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, how uh, are any of you? I, I think I already know the answer. Uh, I think, but are any of you planning on playing Destiny Two on PC? Is this a thing? I, I absolutely am. Okay, I'm considering Just... it. I don't really have a PC at the moment that'll run it, and I'm <laughs> trying to decide whether to get there. As we kind of mentioned on the last podcast, if there were cross saves. 
between PS4 and PC, that'd be 95% likely. That would make such a huge difference. And without the cross saves, I'm about 5 or 10% likely to play it. Well, and, and a few people at Bungie did say it's something they're really looking into. Right. But so no I'm hope. Yeah, and it's definitely not going to be at launch. They were very clear that at launch it wouldn't be there. So yeah. I'm hoping, though, at some point. Because that that's would be so nice. today on Rooster Teeth set. I mean, that, that came up, and that's pretty much exactly what he was saying. Raga, calling in from his iPad. I'm going to guess no. <laughs> yeah, well, over my AirPods, um, <laughs> with my MacBook over in the corner, and my second iPad at my feet, I swore about 25 years ago to never own a PC. So <laughs> I'm sticking to that. All right. Fair enough. Yeah, I'm not going to be, I'm not really looking at PC. Uh, I don't have anything it'll run on as much as I'd like it to, but... Uh, unless you unless you end up getting the iMac Pro, <laughs> which may happen. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's a different podcast. Yes. Oh man, yeah, iMac Pro. Yes, please. <laughs> but then I probably shouldn't buy the Xbox One X. <laughs> yeah, or or a 4K TV. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So E3, we have a new trailer starring Gary. What's his actual name? Gall. Gall. I would say super badass. Like way better than I expected him to. Because did we get a glimpse of him back when the reveal happened, or did nah, we not even just, see? just the flash? He was like in the shadow. That flashing room. Yeah, he was like the big shadow. Seeing sort his of... face up close. That was awesome. Okay, can I just say about his face though? I, I just gotta get it out there. I don't really go for the the Bane villain weird face mask <laughs> yeah. thing. It's a little Mad Max. It's just kind of weird. My, my favorite comment, somebody said, man, grunts have really been working out. <laughs> yeah, did, you, did you see the side-by-side picture? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that I, I had, did not realize until I saw that how close they actually look. Can you, no, send, I, me that, can you send me that picture? <laughs> I want to. I want to put it in the show notes. Yeah, let me let me flip for that because it was. I was taken aback by how how much he looked like a grunt once I saw that. I mean, I'm I'm just excited from that trailer, and and uh, that we actually have a villain. Like it's not just a boss; it's an yeah, actual I, villain. <laughs> I think if you count like the words he said, it's probably more words in that one cutscene than like all the other bosses said combined. Yeah. I mean, it, it was a, it was a villain monologue. That's mm-hmm. like, that is the kind of, it was villain to to a T. Like, not only does he give a monologue, but then he attempts to kill you, and then doesn't check to make sure that he did. Yes, yes. <laughs> I'm just gonna knock you off here. You'll be dead, right? <laughs> yeah. So that scene with him like kicking you across the floor, like Titan across the floor, and like off the ledge. That was pretty intense. I, I it looked like it was totally in game. Like that's going to be our character. I mean, I think it's like directly after the first uh, reveal trailer. Right. The reveal of well, I, I think it's the next second. Too. You know, he's saying he said, "You're not brave. You've just forgotten what it feels like to die." Let me reacquaint you. It's pretty awesome line. Yeah, that was good. Any other takeaways from the uh, from the trailer? I didn't go through like frame by frame or anything. There was a lot of. Good stuff, sort of in the second half. Well, cruel ought to be happy. There was no uh, comedy from <laughs> aid. 
there definitely wasn't anything big in the second half. It looks like we're not going to start with just a random gun we found. It looks like we're going to, like Raga pointed out to us, yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be the, yeah, the armory. <laughs> it, it goes free for everyone, starting with Destiny 2. <laughs> About time, three years later. Yeah. They should put that on the box. <laughs> now includes Vanguard Armory. <laughs> well, and I, and I think I think for sure it it kind of I I was pretty sure this was going to be the case, but I think it confirmed we're definitely going to have like our full powers and maybe even like some weapons that they just give us before that before that scene, and then get them all stripped from us. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. It'll be. Uh, I'm. I'm really curious to see how they're going to tell that story. But I like how it's setting up so far, and I like that they're not really. They're they're digging into just the intro, but we don't really know what's coming after it. We don't know a lot about the locations. I yeah. like that because I like the idea that we can explore them. I really want to check out the EDZ. Um, well, and, and uh, Deej kind of talked on the fire on IGN's fire team chat, and he mentioned that the. You know, like with Destiny One, they gave us the alpha and the and the beta, and we we just consumed like all of old Russia, and then we even went to the moon, and people tried to consume that as much as they could in like the what was it like hour? one day, less than a day. It was like two hour. a two two hour window, and they got like a ridiculous amount of the moon covered. Two hours, yeah. and some mm-hmm, people because mm-hmm. they didn't kick you back to orbit, so some people right. meant to stay in a little longer. So. He's saying they're purposely not doing that because that's the kind of thing that he thinks even we as players want to experience on the first day we play the game. Absolutely. So I, I think, <laughs> and and they, there's some comments similar to this that I don't think we're going to see any open world stuff in the beta. I think it's just going to be maybe a mission or two, a strike, and PvP. And that's pretty much what they said. They did say there's something else they're going to show in the beta, but they're not talking about it yet. So whatever that is. Yeah. So uh, I don't know if there was like a poll um, or a, you know, a a betting table for is destiny going to slip or not ship on time. (laughs) But uh, I didn't see two days early coming. That's for sure. Yeah. It's such a strange thing to do. It doesn't make sense to me. I I thought, you know, games here in the U.S. come out on Tuesday, and Europe it's usually Friday, so it's not that uncommon for a game to come on Friday. I thought it made a ton of sense. Don't make people take off work, right? Let them have right. a weekend or whatever. I, I really don't Wednesday? understand at all why pushing it up two days. Yeah, right. like if, if right. they if push the it up to a Tuesday. Really cool. Yeah, but why? What what does two days do? Yeah. It's. I, I sort of wonder if it's like a load balancing issue. Like, if they launch on Friday, everybody hits the mm-hmm. weekend. The entire world is going into a weekend, and they just get slammed. Uh, like maybe that yeah. might. It it might be that there's enough difference in you know. Sure, they're gonna have a lot of players on a Wednesday, but midweek it's gonna be a little bit less crazy. Are y'all all taking off for it? I, you know, I I took off that Friday initially. <laughs> I, I feel this fever coming on, and I keep hearing that it's it it shows up about forty eight hours before it's supposed to. <laughs> right. Well, see, in some ways, it 
there's one thing about it that kind of actually makes me happy that they moved it up, and that's that three years ago when Destiny 1 came out, I didn't go to PAX that year, and they did that kind of that launch party well, we, basically a week after PAX. Mm-hmm. And so I was talking to Claude about like, you know, what, what my travel plans are going to be. Should I come just towards the back end of PAX and hang around till launch in case they do something like that again? But that was going to be four or five days of sitting around, right? Well, now, if it's just an extra couple days after PAX, then maybe it is worth hanging around. So I might, I might not even fly home until the day it comes out and therefore basically miss that launch day of playing on the off chance that maybe I'll get lucky and they'll do something fun in Seattle. Yeah. Be a reason to, for the, some of the community to be up there. Yeah. That'd be cool. That'd be really neat. Um, so we got a couple other dates also, uh, PC launch on October 24th and the beta. So, Opens for everybody on the 21st of July. PlayStation gets it on the 18th. Yeah, the 18th. Xbox gets it on the 19th. uh, And then it lasts through that Sunday, July 23rd. If you're listening to this, I'm sure you already know. But then the PC beta is in August. Right. Yeah. But unannounced date as of yet. And I think... I think the forum in general was a lot happier with with this because last year, what, PlayStation got four extra days? Yeah. Well, this... Last time PlayStation oh, they got, got an alpha. alpha, which was for three or four days. And then I think they only got like one day during the beta, one or two days. So most of a week. Yeah. Yeah, I like the uh, there's a little bit equal treatment. PlayStation exclusives, eh, nobody cares about that anyway. I, Jeez, I don't know. That sniper. No, they they got a lot more than than a couple extra days. It was they July seventeenth to twenty eighth for PS three and PS four, and July twenty third to twenty eighth on Xbox. That's okay. a whole week. Right. Yeah, yeah, well, but it wasn't open that whole week, right? Didn't it wasn't? It was basically open on the two weekends, like the Thursday through Sunday night, but then they closed it up again Monday through Thursday. Yeah, so they so, got. The it wasn't 17th. from the 17th to the 28th. It was 17th to like 20th or 21st. Right. And then together it, again on the 23rd to 28th. Right. It was the 17th to the 21st, and then they took it off from the 21st to the 22nd. But that's still, that's five days. Yeah. That four or five days more. One day, I can at least understand. But yeah, four, four to five days was a little ridiculous. Yeah. As far as the exclusives the armor big whoop you know if you like it whatever it's you know it's that's the same the strike looks pretty awesome but i'm hoping that all the strikes are just as awesome so this one isn't going to be an outlier of oh this is the best strike uh same for the crucible map but that sniper that can do all three element types and switch on the fly at will that's pretty enticing to me well i'll be i'm curious because if that's the only exotic thing about it then I'll say as an mm. Xbox player, big whoop. Yeah. If if it you know does something else awesome, I might be a little bit more jealous. But 
And what does on the fly mean here? Is this I open up my menu and wait ten seconds and then click the thing and then close my menu? <laughs> no, no, they well, optimize it. Be it's standing, right? Because we don't have the three hundred and sixty PS three. Kidding! I couldn't even finish that. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I, I I do expect that it'll require going into your menu and mm-hmm. walking them out. But I mean, obviously, it would be awesome if it's just double tap triangle. Oh, that would be cool. That would be pretty slick. Yeah. Uh, so we have a list of, uh, Xenos very wonderfully put together a nice list of, um, sort of coverage from E3 from different news outlets and highlighted a few different items. Uh, would you like to walk us through that Xenos? Uh, yeah, sure. Um, that, I mean, this is kind of the cool thing about E3. I wasn't expecting too much from them as far as, uh, at the show, but they, talked in a lot of interviews scheduled a lot of stuff with a lot of outlets so we got some pretty cool information nothing nothing groundbreaking but definitely cool uh and ragishing goes here which is perfect because the first one i have on here is about the fact that this game's not going to talk about the darkness at all the darkness it's it's not about <laughs> yeah. the darkness and and we have a thing from mark noseworthy where he says the cabal have nothing to do with the darkness. They are not of the darkness or its representatives. The hives are the closest because they worship the darkness, but you can worship a thing that you are not. So that's pretty interesting that we've always, you know, we up until this point, cabal were of the darkness. They're minions of the darkness because we know you could get orbs from killing them for them being minions of the darkness. Um, so, it's kind of a shift uh, in a way. It's a, a, a tiny retcon, if you will, uh, that they're not of the darkness. Yeah. yeah. I, I wonder how I that... I wonder if those kind of things will work in Destiny 2. If they're just not going to count for bonuses like that. That'd be interesting. Yeah. <laughs> well, that started me wondering, Did are we positive that they did count? That... Yeah, they do. Okay, because some of those armor perks, it's not like you... It's just a higher chance to get orbs when killing a minion of the darkness or whatever. Well, but there, there's also other perks where it's not a chance. It's like you get more melee energy from killing him if killing a minion of the darkness. Stuff well, like that. The Kotaku interview just today that he, that Luke Smith kind of talked about that as well and said something along the lines of during D1 they didn't really know how they wanted to treat that yet, and so that some of the tool tips from the big from vanilla destiny have persisted throughout D one talking specifically about the minions of the darkness. Um, but that they have since fleshed that out and decided that how they wanted to treat that and the fact that the cabal are not darkness and even the hive are not, which kind of surprised me. I thought if anyone was, it'd be the hive and maybe the Vex, but the fallen and the cabal clearly are not. Mm-hmm. When I think, uh, Kind of the thing I I always thought of the way that the Cabal were part of the darkness. Because, I mean, I thought it was pretty clear. They never talk about anything with the darkness on any of the missions you went on. There was no, like, weird rituals or anything going on. I always kind of thought of it more as, like, they're a representative of evil. You know, like, the Nazis, they didn't worship an evil, but they were evil. And that's kind of how I thought of like the cabal, like they're a very empirical race. 
they go through the galaxy and they dominate other other races and conquer other races and that's kind of how i thought of them as as a member of the darkness there's an interesting thing there though if uh, gary can i can never remember his real name so i'm gone Cade from that up. but uh if, if gall he in his cut scene he's saying that he's conquered worlds and he's he thinks he should be worthy of the light so he knows that there is the light right. are we sure he was conquering good worlds what kind yeah. of i mean what if he and that you know this probably isn't true what if he was doing good right and now he's found us you know we pretty sure he's not like just nuking the city it's good more call. like he kind of drove us away right. and suppressed a traveler or something so what if he just wants the power to defeat the hive in the darkness that would be interesting yeah. then it would be a more complex villain uh mm-hmm. than i'm expecting well, and they even mentioned in several interviews that he's not—he—he's not a bad guy in the sense that he has an evil goal as much as it's a very different goal from us, because it—it it is selfish. It's basically he thinks that he deserves to hold the light and that the cabal deserve to be guardians, and so he's basically trying to show the traveler that he deserves the light. So that's well, a, I mean, you know. If you think about it, even the fallen aren't evil. They were an uplifted race like we were. Something hit them real hard. Maybe the darkness, maybe the hive, but they had their whirlwind. And then they fled by the millions, followed the traveler to our solar system, and then tried to take it from us. But they're just kind of they're kind of hanging on the edge trying to survive. Yeah, and the cabal seem to be unfortunately for them. The cabal seem a lot more stronger militarily. They probably haven't been conquered and fled, but both of those races kind of seem like they're trying to survive in this very harsh universe. Mm-hmm. And we have the thing that would lift them. Well, way, I mean, we even saw a, a really interesting interaction with them before this, the, all of the taken King expansion. We had the cabal literally trying to kill Oryx also. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and you know yeah, I mean, you, that he's a, we know for a fact Orcs is a bad guy. He worships the darkness, and so it's interesting to see that they're not this cut and dry race like like the Hive are, and and even yeah, the Vex to a certain degree. The Cabal were even studying the the Vex on Mars. You know they had partial control over the gate to the Black Garden, or at least yeah. they were studying it. Yeah, that's that's a really interesting point because it kind of seems like. They're, they've been fighting and fortifying against the Vex and the Hive. They're just not talking to us for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting because otherwise on paper, it sounds like they should be allies, uh, but mm-hmm. for some reason they're not. Yeah, it's cool to me too how with Destiny 2, they're kind of framing it that the Cabal we've seen so far are just kind of the scouts and we're kind of just scratching the surface of what different ranks and types of cabal we're going to be facing. I hope they go deep into that. And, and it really does seem like we've only seen the top quarter and there's completely different types to fight. And that it's not just, Oh, here's one or two extra different things. 
Well, and, and and I mean, we even see that pretty much in the very first moments of Destiny 2. Like, they they show up with a real force, and they literally wreck our home instantly. Mm-hmm. Like, by the time you even realize what's going on, the city is already on fire. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. It's, I must have taken some planning to do, because it wasn't just they rolled up with a force. It's They took out all the satellites. Yeah. They somehow suppressed all the early warning systems. Which you got to remember, a lot of our early warning systems are unkillable guardians. Yeah. You know, <laughs> how do you how do you stop that? They must have done some very major military work to keep a guardian well, from coming back with a jump ship and saying, well, "Hey, so, giant fleet." And one thing I really liked in that cutscene is you can see the ships are actually like putting out storm clouds, so they're even mm-hmm, like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like blocking themselves visually. Is very cool. So, kind of continuing on on kind of a story topic, uh, in the Game Informer magazine, there was just this one really short mention I was really interested in, and it's basically we see that sniper uh, in the trailers that has no land beyond, yeah. and they talk about you meet him in near the farm, and his name's Devrim K. And then they say, interacting with him shows off a slick new conversation interface that produces greater emotion and character animation potential. Mm, that's interesting. So, so does that mean picturing... our guardian might talk again? Wouldn't that be amazing? Yeah. <laughs> are, are we talking like a, sort of a Bioware? Uh, I have like, no idea. Three choices kind of thing? or and And that's literally the only mention we got. Like the fact that I, and, you know, they might have been just gotten turned down, but I'm surprised there wasn't, like, a, can you tell us more about that? If, if you guys played Uncharted 4, any of you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, Xenos has. He, you know, Uncharted never had conversation trees or anything like that before. Hmm. Um, and they kind of made a point about, in Uncharted 4, they added um, just, just a few of them. They made clear that we're not adding conversations all over the place. But there are a few key moments where those happened to kind of add a little bit of more impact, emotional impact to the situation and give you kind of options on how to, how to go about it. The, the, the most famous one from our uncharted four is spoilers. You, you have a brother in uncharted four that who's been in jail for a long time. And so when you first meet up with him again, after so long, one of the options is which do you tell him about first, basically the story of uncharted one or the story of uncharted two or three. And that was one of them, but also throughout the game there are little points where little conversation bubbles will pop up against another character and you have the option to hit triangle or whatever button it was to advance or keep that conversation going or you could ignore it and it would go away. So that's kind of what I imagine it might be. It's just the option to keep a little bit more conversation going if you want. And and I agree. I I doubt it's going to be like a full-on Bioware thing where it's going to impact, you know, the whatever adventure we're going on with Devrim. But just the fact that we get to participate in a conversation would be would be very interesting. Well, I, I hope, if that is what's, what it is, I hope that there's some of that too with, with our three Vanguard mentors who are kind of no longer Vanguard mentors. They, they've already set up that they're not guardians anymore they're they're they kind of scatter to deal with it in their own ways um zavala 
definitely they're painting him as heartbroken about it and questioning everything. Um, they're kind of painting Kate as he's going to go out and just, you know, cope with it by fighting or looking into things. Yeah. And so I hope that our interactions with those characters are, are opportunities for that to be flushed out. Yeah, it's definitely going to be interesting. And Endeavor and Kay, just in case anybody didn't know, that sniper is in, uh, involved with an adventure, which is mm-hmm. one of the new activities that you can find in the world, um, which is kind of like a mini quest. Yeah. Yeah, there was so, a good description of those adventures some article I read the other day, it was like, it almost sounded like starting off a, a court of oryx kind of thing. But yeah. you would then continue, like maybe chase something down or or something and go through the patrol space and then down into a, a unique dungeon. Oh, rather than just stuff. defend a spot. Yeah, rather than just stand there and, and shoot missiles at something. Well, it was interesting too because in... In all the description I've I've read about it, the Bungie employee that was answering was always very clear to say there will always be new mechanics. Mm-hmm. So, so it sounds like they're very specifically planning each of them mm-hmm. instead of them being similar to each other, which is really cool. I hope there's a good handful of them, you know, rather than just like one or two. Yeah. 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 Uh, so also from. What, uh, don't know what magazine this is from. Game Informer. Oh, this is a Game Informer magazine. Okay. And, uh, they were talking about like the competitive playlists versus quick play. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I kind of had a question about that. They've, they've mentioned that in a few different places that there's going to be competitive and quick play. And I know they've talked about quick play will kind of, have broader search spaces so that you can get into a match a lot quicker. But they've also been very clear to say that competitive destiny, basically PVP, is all moving to 4v4. And I'd have if, if I really cared, I'd, I'd go back and look at every single time they've mentioned it and see exactly what words they used, especially because I'm a lawyer. But <laughs> I, I started to wonder if the way they've been saying competitive is moving to 4v4 and then saying competitive and quick play and the difference there, does that potentially mean that there might be some other than 4v4 that would be in the quick play, but not in the competitive? Uh, unfortunately not. So in the I- IGN Fireteam chat, mm-hmm. they specifically ask about Rumble uh, to Deej, and Deej says there'll be no Rumble at launch and only 4v4 modes at launch. Mm-hmm. Right. And that was just about... PvP in general. Right, I just mean later on, you know, with the oh, yeah. expansion, maybe maybe they'll bring back a new, either an ex- currently existing or a new game type that isn't 4v4. Right. I'm sure a lot of that will be based on what the community reception is. If people say 4v4 is great, but we kind of miss 6v6, you know, or 6-person free-for-all, you know, well, I mean, there's also not the custom games at launch, but you yeah. can assume those will come back at some point. Yeah. Yeah, I was a little disappointed to hear that. I, I guess I understand why, but... Uh, I'm hoping the reason why is because they want to make it more uh, powerful than the ones that were in Destiny 1. Hmm. More options. 
Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah, that would be uh, that'd be nice. Just random thought here, and nobody, there's no information on it. But what if we get firefight? Again? <laughs> Wouldn't that be interesting? I would love a firefight mode. Yeah. So what a lot of us thought. Prison or uh, yeah, yeah, the builders just yeah. Well, I guess there's kind of a person there then. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the thing yeah. that just keeps scaling until you just can't mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. can't make it pass anymore. Yeah, I think that I think the only other thing I saw about PvP in the interviews was uh, in on the Kotaku podcast. Luke mentioned they are going to have some kind of system to show off your prowess. Is the word he mm-hmm. used. Mm-hmm. And he said it may or may not be a ranking system, but there's going to be something at launch to do that, which will be, that'll be completely new. Even if it's just, you know, it's not a ranking system. If you, even if it's just like a special badge. Yeah. That's or maybe something. you could pick one of your recently acquired medals that you got at the end of the match. And yeah, know, just something like that. Like maybe the, like an actual, uh, what are they called? Uh, emblem. Or I can't remember what they were called in uh, in Halo. They called it the whatever chest. I can't think of what it was called. Where you yeah, saw I, all the he all was the talking more about like within the ecosystem of Destiny Two. That being the case, I still feel not just hope, but I feel like there's a good chance that we're gonna be able to at least carry forward some of the emblems, especially the ones we've earned. Oh, yeah. I hope so. I'm not expecting it, though. Yeah, that's kind of where I am. It just feels a little funny to give out Age of Triumph emblems. Well, you can use this for four months or whatever, and it's going away. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I definitely think that we're going to get some emblems in Destiny 2 because we played Destiny 1, and maybe even because we were there at certain points or beat certain activities. But Which I is don't... exactly what the Age of Triumph book emblems right. are all about, right? But I don't necessarily think that they're going to be the same ones we have in Destiny 1. We'll see. Yeah. So let's talk about the uh, the new classes. At E3, they're showing off um, Arc Strider, yeah. which officially replaces uh, Blade Dancer. Yeah? Yeah. And yep. so that means Sun, Sun Singer's out and Defender's out, like, I don't know if they'd actually confirmed that before. They, yeah, they hadn't. Okay. I, I think it was inferred, in but not confirmed. Yeah. It. Yeah. Right, right. And 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 uh, Arc Strider seems really interesting. Uh, yeah. I, we also confirmed no blink. Blink is gone. Yeah. <laughs> and that means uh, that means the headline I saw as well? was that blink was gone for hunters. I well, right because that means completely gone. But, and I think they just said that because nobody's actually asked him. They just saw in the tree that it's gone. Mm. But I mean, with the with the way the arc strider's built, it's very like much about moving around quickly and like you it know, sounds like you want to stay close to enemies. So yeah, blinking's not going to help you a lot. But I I just think they would have kept blink in, but instead they gave him the dodge and ways to get that dodge back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so so you uh, chain melees and then dodges to refill one another. With, right? Yeah, with one of, one of the trees. So okay, there's two trees way of the warrior, and that one was basically every time you got a kill, 
with a charge melee, it recharged your dodge. And then every mm-hmm. time you dodge, you if you have the the right dodge selected, it'll recharge your melee. And then mm-hmm. on top of that, the melee range is increased right after you dodge. So it's this like crazy little you yeah, can just be good. this annoying little uh, bug around people. Yeah, that's interesting. And then the second one, Way of the Wind. So disorienting charged melee. How how do you think that works? Uh, I'm I'm hoping it's it's more like a flash kind of thing, like uh, the flash grenade. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Maybe I like really hope. Lived. Yeah, I'm really hoping it's not like the smoke grenades. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> Yeah, but I, yeah, no, that's blue, but Bjorn. I've spent the last half an hour trying to find that picture of Gaul and the grunt, <laughs> and it was none other than than Hedge, who's the one that. Oh yeah, it was. Oh, thanks, it Hedge. Hedge's Twitter. I'll I'll send you the link so that we can post awesome. that. But yeah, the way the way of the wind seems to be mostly about moving around a lot because it's increased sprint speed, and while you're sprinting, it reduces your dodge cooldown. So oh, interesting. Okay, so sort of like the frost ease, yeah. yeah. Which are still probably my favorite exotic from from Destiny One. Yeah, those are pretty fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's it's gonna be interesting. I haven't seen any gameplay from it yet, uh, aside from just a few seconds. But uh, it does seem like the the super is a lot. It doesn't last as long as Arc Strider, or uh, sorry, as Blade Dancer, but mm-hmm. the like I saw someone from much further away get a kill with Arc Strider's melee, and he killed two people with one swipe. Which mm. currently, with a Blade Dancer, you can only kill one person per swipe. Mm. Yeah, because I, I was wondering what the distance you would be engaging, especially in in PvP. If you're trying to dodge around me, and I'm like a, a Titan with a charge double damage melee or something. Won't I just punch you in the face and, and that's it? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, but the hunter's got the staff, so it'll be like uh, warlock melee range. Well, yeah, I, I want to see a, an arc strider versus a a fist of havocing charging titan. That's going to be very interesting to see who wins that battle. Well, I I bet you that exists on uh, YouTube online. somewhere already. Yeah. 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 So even though Defender is gone. Uh, oh boy, I, I was so excited for this. So, Ragashingo, how do you feel? <laughs> I really need to know your opinion oh, no. uh, about how you feel about the fact that as a Sentinel, you can still make a Ward of Dawn. Oh, that's great. I was so sad the Ward, Ward of Dawn was going away. And, I, and what my out. question is when you make it, do you get to keep your, your shield and other powers, or just kind of, does that just kind of end the super and the ward stays around? That's I, I had the same question. Mm-hmm. Didn't it sound like when Luke was talking about it, you basically press and hold it, mm-hmm. and you can kind of move it around, because he was saying one of the problems with Ward of Dawn was you could put it in a bad spot or place it and then not need it there. It made it sound like you could hold it in one spot. But the Sentinel itself really can easy. block with the shield to sort of to stop damage and kind of create a, a yeah. mini bubble in front of you, like a mini arc in front of you to stop damage. And then I think I, if you do this Ward of Dawn thing, I think it just sticks down a Ward of Dawn. I, I think really what he was saying was more along the lines of why he liked Ward of Dawn was mm-hmm. that if somebody was good at placing it, you could place it so well and you immediately knew when you saw it, if it was a well-placed Ward of Dawn or not. Mm-hmm. Um, 
the holding it down thing, I think, is just it's an alternate way to cast your super. So if you choose the Ward of Dawn perk, because I'm guessing mm-hmm. it's a perk. I don't know for yeah, sure. Yeah, it sounded like it was on one of those two trees that you had to choose the right the extra defendery tree or whatever. If if you choose that one, then you can do it if you hold it down instead of just hit it quickly. So, which if that's the case, opens up all kinds of cool possibilities. You know, having multiple ways to to yeah. cast a super or even cast anything is really cool. Mm-hmm. And I'm just I'm so excited for this until anyway because there there was that interview what maybe a year ago now where they. Uh, they were talking about one of the balance changes and they said, yep, here's all our charts and here's, you know, here's how the gunslingers are doing and here's how the warlocks are doing. Here's the Titans. So no, look, the defenders, you know, way down below the 1.0 kill to death, but that's, that's by design. It's like, wait, <laughs> what? <laughs> like, like it, it makes sense. The ward of Dawn can turn a game around because everybody else gets kills and points. But when I'm playing as the defender, and my kill to death is low and my, my points are low because I'm not getting giant you know, bonuses to my point score when you're killing somebody with my you know, buffs, it just kind of feels bad. And they're, they're basically <laughs> yeah, it, it, the it seems like if, if you dropped, an, I don't know why we never talked about this, but if you drop a, a Ward of Dawn and you got like weapons of light or, or blessing mm-hmm, active mm-hmm. and then somebody makes a kill... You should generate like the Titan should generate an orb. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of, kind of like how on uh, on the night uh, the Night Stalker, you can set yeah. set oh, it yeah. so that if somebody kills mm-hmm. somebody who's caught, it produces an orb. Yeah. yeah. It's just sort of weird. It, it does give you like ten points for support or something like that. It's like <laughs> really so well, they have to kill the whole enemy team like twice for me to get well, one kills worth of points. Okay. Well, and I'm I'm curious how that's going to work in Destiny Two also because they 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 def- change oh, the wording mm. to defeats instead of kills mm. stuff like that so maybe maybe you'll get some a defeat if somebody has your buff I mean yeah, who, we good. don't even know if the Ward of Dawn's going to have a buff yeah we actually don't know that it does the buffs anymore do we yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's a good point yeah I would hope so I'm yeah. hoping those are like the other options on the tree but we'll see and so what about the uh... The weapon balancing. There's a little bit uh, more news since the last podcast uh, about how they're approaching uh, weapon loadouts. A lot of that just came from the the Bungie podcast that you still haven't listened to. Yeah, <laughs> and they they seemed hesitant, but but they finally told us what the term they used internally for mm-hmm. it was was freedom <laughs> slots, which you know that it makes sense. You know that's what they were going for was just the freedom to. To run two hand cannons or hand cannon on scout rifle, or a little more options in and how you want to deal your elemental damage and stuff in certain ways. And and they, I, I liked the they kind of on the IGN fire team chat they went into it on a little bit more detail, which is having just one power weapon instead of a special and a heavy, made it so that you fit into a role. Instead of everybody trying to cover everything, yeah. So, so it's yeah, like, yeah. Mm-hmm. who's going to have the sniper? Who's going to be the one that cleans up ads with a shotgun? You know, who's going to have a rocket launcher? And that actually makes a lot of sense to me because I it was a little bit annoying that my favorite 
build at the current time, you know, with my hand cannon and my fusion rifle and my rocket launcher or whatever it was, when I went into a raid, I had to switch to different guns so that we could beat, you know, X boss. So hopefully because of these changes, that's going to be balanced different. And now we can have, you know, a few people with, with sniper rifles and a couple people with rocket launchers or whatever we need to do to do the damage, which is pretty cool. Hmm. Yeah. It's, just in single player, are we thinking that there's going to be the same amount of heavy ammo as there was in the past? Or they, They've said that that's the biggest thing they're still trying to figure out and tweak. Yeah. It, it seems like they could just turn that up power. a little and you they're, wouldn't have to play too differently. Yeah, they made it clear that both your kinetic and elemental slot, I forget exactly what terms they're using for those. Kinetic and energy. Kinetic and energy, okay, close enough. Um, they made it clear that you're not going to be shy on ammo in either of those slots generally, like any more than you are now. <laughs> there were a few times in Destiny 1 where I actually ran out of primary ammo, and, but you're, you're going to be able to just have those two, what we formerly considered primaries, and one will be elemental, and you'll, you're not going to run out of ammo for those, but that heavy is going to be... In PvP, obviously, a lot more rare. Um, well, it's bringing back the whole you stole my sniper rifle thing. I'm not <laughs> sure how I feel yeah. about that. Yeah, it's, I, I kind of like it in a way, personally. I, th I think I do miss that everyone knew where rockets were and when rockets were spawning. Hmm. And that created spaces to fight over. So if, you know, in the, the, the little clips of videos I've seen, Picking up the power ammo is actually kind of like a med pack on the side of the wall. Mm -hmm. um, it doesn't drop in a big purple glowing box. It's like you you got to know where it is, and you go up and hold square to, to pick it up. So, yeah, I'm, I, I, I don't know. I'm cautiously optimistic that I'm going to like the way that works in PvP. And it sounds to me like they are even quite unsure at the moment still of exactly how much they need to have a drop in PvE. Well, and they even talked about they're unsure how how much to make it drop in PvP yet. Like, uh, and on Countdown, all the gameplay we've seen, it drops in two boxes at the same time, and that's it. And yeah, and that and that seems, I I definitely understand why it's at the the level it is, but that seems low if you're comparing it to like Halo. Yeah, you know, there were sparse. Yeah, I mean, there were there were like three or four power weapons on a map, not mm -hmm. just two, so. It does seem a little low, but at the same time, you gotta balance it for the gameplay because we have a lot more than we did in Halo. <laughs> we still I, have. It'll, it'll matter a ton too. The fact that it doesn't drop for the full team, so you can't all go gather around it. Right. But also, depending on whether or not if you kill someone with heavy, if they drop any of it, mm. that that makes a huge difference in whether it's enough or not enough. Yeah. yeah. I just foresee me never getting to use my fancy heavy weapon. Well, so I, I was curious about this and I don't know if they've thought about such a thing or if it actually ends up being a stupid idea uh, in implementation. But if, um, you know, say I go and manage to get a hold of the, the heavy special, I don't know what you call it. Oh, um, power. But the power ammo. Uh, and when I pick it up, I've got it. But I have a debuff now that lasts until maybe 10, 15 seconds past 
when the next scheduled drop is. And it doesn't no, let me, and it wouldn't let me pick it up unless mm-hmm. my team's ignoring it, in which case I, I can go grab it again. But that way you can't so just like to force it. Yeah, that'd be cool. Mm-hmm. Um, that'd be interesting. Yeah, and that would sort of force it to cycle through the team a little bit. Not a lot, but enough. The, um, the only the only way I can see that becoming a problem is what if you're the only one left alive on your team? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Don't do that. Yep, yep. Edge cases are yeah, devils in the details. Okay. Yep. Yep. But I, you know, I mean, I, mean, they, they, I think it's, I really think it's a good idea, like the idea behind it. Because the real problem is that you're going to have the people that all they want to do is pick up the sniper. And the only improvement we're going to have over something like Halo is that they can't kill you to take it from you. Oh yeah. <laughs> you make they, a very good point. They will stand in front of you and hit you in the face over and over. Yeah. 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 Die. yeah. Or block your shots if you're using a yeah. sniper. Yeah. yeah. Or block your rocket. <laughs> it's interesting yeah, I, though. I, oh, go yeah. ahead. I was just going to say I, I feel it the same way Speed does. I'm I'm cautiously optimistic about it because the 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 minor complaint I had about Destiny is how quickly you die in PvP over and over again when your team gets in on a losing streak. Yeah. And and that's one thing that's going to mitigate it is it's like I know at most two people on the other team are going to have the heavy ammo and that's only if we were ignoring it. So mm-hmm. yeah, I'm just watching like, you know, I played Iron Banner last week and I'm just watching all the people just hard scoping with their sniper rifles. I'm thinking yeah, you know, enjoy it while you can. In a couple of months, you're not going to be able to do that anymore. Yeah, yeah I mean, you're not going to have shotguns or snipers, at least mm-hmm. not really available all the time. You're not going to have mm-hmm. any shotgunners. I, I, they haven't talked much about grenades. I don't know if they're going away from the sticky grenades that everyone hates right now. So, the, so they, they are. They have kill, sticky grenades, right? right? But they won't kill you. Okay. So you'll have to do a little bit of damage and get a sticky on. Well, that's on way to do it anyway. If you're asking me, I mean, you know, getting a stick should be a satisfying kill, as but you should also have to get a couple bullets in either. Yeah, because like but, I had a Titan the other day just skate diagonal <laughs> past me, like I I could not have shot him if I had held down the trigger, but he got the grenade stick. Yeah, it's like really. <laughs> And luckily, skating's gone. <laughs> yeah. Now, how does that work? You can't jump multiple times a time anymore? Or how did they I'm actually not, eliminate that? I'm not sure. I, I just, multiple people have said they can no longer skate. Yeah. yeah. That is I glorious. Think, I think they realized that Titans are supposed to be the slow tanks and Hunters are supposed to be agile and so forth. And I think they figured out how to make it so that Titans aren't the quickest people across the map, just in general. Mm-hmm. It's It strikes me, though, uh, that with a lot of these changes, going back to 4v4, um, the freedom slots and <laughs> the power ammo uh, conservation, we really are going back to some of the key, and a slightly longer time to kill, uh, we're going back to like Halo Reach. <laughs> Which turned yeah. out to be a you know oh, yeah. pretty pretty good system. Yep. Um, so it's funny that they tried something else and maybe it didn't work out you know in the long so, run so, as well. I, it turned out that Halo is pretty tried and true. 
Well, and one thing though that I like is that they didn't just go to a two weapon system, and yeah. the the energy weapons still still have a differentiating ability, which is they do more damage to supers, they do more damage to shields. So it's not just going to be you're going to be using your kinetic most of the time, and then occasionally pulling out your energy or vice versa. It's oh hey that guy's got a super. I'm gonna pull out my energy weapon. Yeah. So yeah, yeah it's definitely that, still it's definitely still destiny, you know, flavor. But yeah, they're, they're pulling pieces back. Oh in, yeah, and that, that's great. Mm-hmm. I'm sure this will make their balancing a million times easier. <laughs> yeah. So and, what, and oh, go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. I didn't. I didn't really have anything going. No. All right. Uh, I was going to ask, um, you know, is, if there's other news out of E3. I know you have a couple notes here, and I'm sure there are some other things. Yeah, the first note I have in there, I I think this is severely under overlooked. The Astro A10s, I think, are fascinating. That Astro is getting into the sixty dollar headset. Um, a lot of the stuff I've seen, like from Tripwreck and others, is that it's A40 quality sound. 60 bucks and so you're just losing the ability to like mod it and really tweak out the mix amp and obviously the wireless for me personally i've got a50s that i use on both consoles which means i've actually bought the base station got two base stations so you have the current generation a50 yeah i have the current i had the previous gen but the battery life was bothering me and so when the new ones came out i was still had my best buy return policy active so I took them back, got the new ones. But then I wanted to be able to play with them on Xbox again when I started playing with you guys a few months ago. And so I dropped another 100 bucks. I've, I've spent $400 on my Astroway 50s. And I don't regret it. I love them. I'm using them right now. But being able to get into that for 60 bucks and they're, they're super kind of cross-platform, no matter which one you get, you can play it with Xbox One, PS4, and PC for 60 bucks. The only caveat is if you have the older Xbox One controllers, you do actually need to get the mix amp because it doesn't have the headphone jack. But the one headset... That's like, like me because uh, I use the good old Microsoft stereo headset thing. <laughs> it's made out of like plastic and... like. I, I had that one. Like I liked cracking. it. Oh. It's like coming apart on me. Yeah. Yeah. Because I've worn it on my head. <laughs> it's, well, the A10s the may be a good go upgrade. These next time. And I went yeah. through two or three of the cheaper, quality option sounds like a, a cool thing. Yeah, I went through two or three of the Sony Gold headset, which is $100. Because um, mm-hmm. they were cracking, they were breaking. I, I had a couple of the Xbox stereo headsets that I liked for yeah, well, it's, I think it's I got them for 25 or 30 bucks, but mm-hmm. they, they broke a couple times. So. The Astro A10s, I, I'm not. I'd have to look again. I don't think they're exactly the same setup as the A40s and A50s, like with the metal posts on the sides. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know exactly how durable they'll be. But that's if I were getting a headset today, without a doubt, I'd be getting the Astro A10s. Mm-hmm. I like the uh, the simplicity of that setup because so I, I've been. I've used the A40s since the day they launched and then upgraded the A50s and now I have the second or third generation. I can't keep track. Um, you, generate, you don't have the big base station. You have the mix amp. Uh, I, 
I have a, it's an A50 base station, but it's not the one you've got where it's like platform dependent. Right. right. Yeah. yeah. The one I have is a third gen. So you have second gen. Okay. And, uh, I've been having just like, I, I shout out to Kermit. <clears throat> Kermit, I'm following you. I'm dropping the A50s. <laughs> Um, <laughs> the I, echoing's pretty irritating. The echo is awful. Claude, Claude, and I were playing uh, Iron <laughs> Banner, too, and yeah, Raga was one. playing with us, and Claude and yeah. I were echoing off of each other, and it was awful. Like, and it seems to be only when two people with A50s are talking to each other. It makes no sense. How, but, uh, enough of my friends. You also know what's on one side or the other. That doesn't make any sense. Yep. No, it's crazy. Yeah, that's, but it is so bad. Like Rosino's echo with. He's got the Gen 2 A50s also, and so then a forward clock. Because I, I haven't had any of those issues with my Gen 3 A50s. Okay. But you have to buy two base stations, which sucks. Yeah, it does suck. I, I really didn't enjoy spending another 100 bucks on something that looks identical, except it has a green stripe on one side. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I like them, so I'm going to just, you know, yeah. ignore the fact that it's expensive. Well, and, and kind of going back to, uh, to Destiny a little bit, the the other thing that was kind of interesting is uh, Destiny 2 will still only run at 30 frames per second on Xbox, Xbox One X. I'm not surprised. I, I'm not that. either. It, all the animations, it's, you know, like when you reload the weapon, uh, yep. that's that's all like hand animated, those, those keyframes. But oh, yeah. the PC version will run faster. So. Right. Will it run 60? Yep. It will run whatever you oh, want. That's right. It It'll run up to 244. Wow. Okay, is, so that's just I the maximum. Then. So but they're, that's they're changing the animation style. So here, here's the real issue, though. And I think this is why I, I think right? it won't run. No, it's not. Because uh, So hmm. basically with PS4 Pro, Bungie already said the problem was not... Any any design decisions, it was the CPU ability. Because okay. CPU ability really makes a big difference on frames per second. Especially when you're running off of what started as a 30 frames per second engine. So the CPU has to has to make some leeway there. So mm-hmm. PS4 Pro, not powerful enough CPU, because they barely increase the CPU power. Right. Well, the Xbox One X did the same thing. It's a more powerful CPU and even a more powerful CPU than the PS4 Pro, but it's only like 10% more powerful than the PS4 Pro. It's not a so huge the big, the big difference is in the graphics. Output. Right. Hmm. So, you know, when you compare that, the processor that's in a PS4 Pro or a Xbox One X to my i7-6700K, there's a big gap there in yep. CPU power, not to mention the ridiculous amount of power you can get out of a graphics card compared to, mm-hmm. I think you can, I think the, the 1080 Ti does over 11 teraflops. Yeah. Something and, crazy like that. And the Xbox one X has six teraflops. So it, it makes a lot of sense that the Xbox one X can't do 30 frames per second. I don't think it's any deal that Sony has. Yeah. Sorry. I don't think it's any deal that Sony has with Bungie that Bungie's somehow neutering the, <laughs> the no. Xbox One X. No. Yeah, I, mean, I guess my point was, do you really want to be playing on your your regular Xbox against people on their 
whatever we call this new thing, the Xbox X, uh, and they're running at 60 frames per second and you're not, doesn't that give right. them some kind of happy advantage there? So I guess it keeps the platform all well, equal and, it, and then the PC it, users just can do whatever they do. That's definitely like a, a good coincidence for sure. Like it does make it more fair. But I mean, PC, you play, there's people that play games at like 20 frames per second against people that are running at 120 frames mm-hmm. per second. So, so I mean, there's definitely an argument to be made there. But at the same time, when you're going to PC, <laughs> that argument kind of gets muted a little bit. But yeah, it's, it was definitely an interesting E3. I, I definitely didn't think there was anything like crazy that came out of this E3 that nobody saw coming, but yeah, but, but it was still interesting. Oh, I, I did have like the shadow of the Colossus remastered. Yeah. That was yeah. a pretty big surprise. I'm not completely sure it was necessary. I mean, I'll, I will buy it cause that's one of my favorite games, but I was kind of surprised to see that. Oh, I did have one other thing, Bjorn, if I don't know if you want to edit this in at some other point. Um, no, it's kind of going right now. Okay. Um, <laughs> no, they, the, it was just something I noticed during gameplay um, that, that somebody posted that they had a linear fusion rifle. Mm-hmm. Oh, and yeah. So it was differentiated from regular fusion rifles. And the thing that was cool about it is it fired just like a Queenbreaker's bow. In fact, it even had the icon of the Queenbreaker's bow. So they apparently have turned that kind of fusion rifle into an entire class of weapons of Destiny 2. Mm. That's not a sniper, though. Right. So is it uh, doesn't scope in all the way? Kind of more like a railgun in a way, right? Right. It'll be more like a railgun. So is it a, a one-shot kill? But... Yeah. Uh. In in the video they showed, it didn't kill a legionnaire in one shot. It almost killed it in one shot, but he didn't get a headshot. So, so is it like instant fire when you pull the trigger instead of a charge up? No, it's got a, it's got a little bit of a charge. So we'll we'll just have to but, wait and see. But it's not like seven separate bolts that could fan out. It's just a, didn't, didn't look like it charges yeah. up, but then it's like a single laser blast. Yeah, interesting. Cool. And then the, yeah. the only other thing I had was uh, Flashpoints, which was in the Kotaku mm-hmm. podcast. Apparently, they're going to have, uh, like, locations. I would guess it'd be, like, EDZ uh, is highlighted for the week. And they'll have special activities and enemies that show up. And we'll have Nightfall level rewards. Yeah. They've also We're talked about so- public events are going to be much more well broadcast so that when you spawn in a zone, it's going to say a public event happening in three minutes in this sector. Right. Kind of giving you a reason as soon as you land to start heading there. That's really awesome, actually. Do, do we know if like public events are going to be on a regular timer? Um, or if they're going to be more actually random? It sounds like the way Luke was talking about it is he, he didn't like that people had to go to destinypublicevents.com to find out when they were. So he wanted to integrate that more into the game. Okay, yeah, that, that's that's great. Because um, I'm willing to go do that, go to the website and watch the timer and trek across to somewhere. But <laughs> yeah. it definitely pulls you out of the out of the game. So if they can pull that into the game a bit, that's awesome. Whatever. Well, and 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 we're going to be able to, uh, f- from the little bit they said, mark stuff on the map. 
So oh, really interesting. And they didn't show it in game, but uh, so we'll be able to follow the compass or some way. Yeah. Nice. Nice. So uh, I wanted to uh, sort of switch gears, and since we have Ragashingo as a special guest oh, uh, from the community, I wanted to just talk a bit about story. Um, Destiny 1 story, where we think we're going with Destiny 2, some cool stuff that you've uh, found. I want to talk a little bit about the bite-sized backstory project that you'd worked on, because um, that was yes. pretty amazing, and I know a lot of people have enjoyed it. Um, Don, he's not even halfway through, right? <laughs> Jeez, I mean, <laughs> just, you like just get started on the, the phone. Way <laughs> I, I need to get started on the phone is what it comes down to. <laughs> But you better get started. People are going to expect it right after this comes out. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's okay. Your will take be interesting. Anyways. It'll be a race between me editing the podcast and you writing your first uh, Fallen. Oh, I can do the first one right now. I can do the first one right now because it's, it's just a whirlwind. And I've got that pretty well memorized. But uh, no, the, the Bad Side backstory was a, a fun project because I, I kept seeing people, especially on our DBO forums, saying... I like these crucible stories that, you know, whoever surfaces, oh, that's a cool story. But I don't have the time or inclination to read all this thing. And especially since some of these stories are split across cards that came across, you know, came out. One would come out in Destiny, one would come out in, you know, in the the Dark Below, and one would come out in The Taken King. And, you know, to follow... Like the last word is a good example. To follow the story of the last word, you have to be keeping track of these grimoire cards through basically every release of Destiny. And, and the last years to get and the last word the story, is story. Yeah, it's not formatted well either. It's not an easy story. Right, to read. right. It's it's like but little audio logs and it's hands down the of, best story in all of oh, Destiny, sure. in my opinion. Mm-hmm. But, I yeah. love the last word story. But so I, I kept seeing that, and I said, okay, well, we, I can do something about that. I love these stories anyway. Surely we can just kind of proceed through and do the whole grimoire. And it's not to say you people can't read this stuff. It's to put it in a format and in an order that they don't need to go out of their way as much to see a whole story. And so week by week you can kind of just check back and, oh, here's the next part. I don't have to go find a card that was named something Even if different I than the last card. The, like Ishtar Collective and read up on it. It It's not always spelled out in the right order. So what you mm-hmm. doing is helping us basically just read it, read all of that grimoire in the right order, in the yeah. right segment. There are definitely a lot of dots that were connected uh, when reading through the Bite Sides backstory. I was like, oh, okay, I get it. I remember reading that card. I remember reading that that other card, and I didn't like glue the two together very well. And even for well, me doing the project, it was interesting because I kept coming across new things I'd never realized. It was like, oh, you know, Oryx tried to make peace early on with that first race that they eventually conquered. And and then his sister nuked him for it. It's like, oh, I did not realize that, and, and so on. Well, and, and, and making the books are just making the connection that the dragons were the worms like that was because i'd read all of them i mean i i've i've talked about before the grimoire is the reason why i loved destiny one as much as i did aside aside from the gameplay and i'd read all that and i was like the dragons aren't the worms 
you're crazy. And I yeah, and we, even, chat, yeah. we got into like a debate about it and mm-hmm. that never would have happened if you hadn't done that. And I would have just gone on thinking the dragons were some other kind of race. Yeah, that was interesting. And then the dragon for full disclosure for people that may not have read through it in the books of sorrow, the details kind of how the hive came to be. They started as these really short lived creatures living beneath a gas giant. They met with this strange race of kind of ancient worm type creatures that gave them powers, basically. And then they conquered a large swath of the galaxy. And near the end of the Books of Sorrow story, they come across this one last race that the Traveler had come along and altered the black hole near this race and made this massive giant tower of light or some sort of thing. As the hive attacked this race, this race fights back with what are called dragons, and the, the the main leaders of the hive kind of declare upon seeing these dragons. You know, these are like our our worm gods that are giving us power. We don't like that they're also serving this other race. You know, we want to capture them and, and punish them for it almost. And it's like it paints an interesting picture because these worm gods appear to have also turned up on earth during the golden age. And that's what the whole Ishtar collective, all the ruins that we see on Venus, they were originally built because these Ahamkara that they called on earth had appeared. And then the Ahamkara were even in after the, of collapse were dealing out power and information to guardians but it always came with a price and eventually the city said these prices are too high we're going to hunt these things down and kill them all and then there's just one great grimoire card at the end of that kind of line where it's saying that this great hunt occurred but the card isn't written from the point of view of the guardians or the city it's written from the point of view of Ahamkara and it says mm. kind of at the end, you know, they, they shut us up basically. And but the, like the last line tells you, yeah, they didn't really do that because I'm here. I'm the one telling the story. So that <laughs> seemed really interesting. Oh, oh bearer mine. Yeah. Oh, bearer mine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's going to, it's really interesting too. I think, I think, uh, that they're probably going to have the Alan car come back in some sense. At some point in the in the oh, game, I hope so. I hope so. Yeah, that'd be great. There, there's one card that said that one of the guardians had seen one off uh, at Jupiter. Well, we're going over to Jupiter for real this time, you know, mm-hmm. on one of the moons. I hope they make a reappearance. If the theories are right that the Hamkar are the dragons, are the worms. And there's this ancient multi-million-year-old race that's playing all sides that was helping the Guardians, that was helping the Hive, and that was helping this other third race that was neither. And that's really interesting. Yeah. To kind of bring all that back around to uh, Destiny 2, though, it's interesting to see Luke talking recently today and yesterday about how some of the story stuff they either thought was wrapped up or they didn't think it 
mattered much, <laughs> yeah. much, but they didn't know where they were going with it. Obviously, for a lot of us, this, there is this great lore that we're looking forward to seeing. And you know, he he said today that he thought the Exo Strangers story was wrapped up. I I think he now realizes that he was wrong in thinking that, and that he needs to do something about it going forward because we're not gonna accept yeah, the, the that. theory that that kind of teased out about the Exo Stranger through various Gamora cards. She was probably one of these Ishtar Collective scientists that got that Maya, discovered right? the Vex. Yeah, Maya Senderesh or something like that. And this little group of scientists discovered the Vex on Venus. And then they uh, they got trapped in this Vex simulation. And they eventually broke out with the help of a war mind, which just sounds like a scary thing to let one of your super powerful AIs interact with the Vex to begin with. Yeah, it seems it like a bad sounds idea. Like a, <laughs> yeah, rampancy probably happened there at some point to somebody. <laughs> and, and then, but if you follow the, the trail and the the future war cult uses this, uh, I forget the exact terms, it's like a schism, and then there's another term, it's kind of their, their log system was being used by the Exo Stranger and was also being used by Maya. And if you kind of follow that connection along, looks like this Maya lady back before the collapse probably is the Exo Stranger because some of her work with the Vex involved some time travel-y stuff and kind of looking into futures and the future war cult has these machines that they've uncovered, like up in the Arctic Circle or something like that. That do the same thing. Yeah. Well, they and they can see uh, potential futures. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the uh, only times um, that we really interact with her are, well, around the Vex. She's in yeah, that. Right. She's in the original, like when we first first get our jump ship. She's like watching right. us. But she's besides the, that, everything else is Vex related, right? Well, she's yeah, at the. Moon. She appears on the moon behind you when you open the gate, and then disappears. Oh, that's true. I forgot about that one. Okay. But there's a grimoire card that talks about the different times she appeared and watched you. She's basically so. at, at the beginning of Destiny 1, mm-hmm. and then at the middle part when you first find out that the, there's something major going on with the Vex, and then at the end once you beat the game. And so, in the card... I think she's pretty important, and to think that her storyline was wrapped up I think is funny. Part of it seems like she was either part of the project that helped develop Exos, because... After they get out of the Vex simulations, they return to these Vex structures in these uh, basically kind of robot-controlled neural-linked bodies. Because apparently, and we don't really see this a lot in Destiny 1, but apparently Vex architecture, and especially their mind fluid, their white fluid that's kind of in their center, is hallucinogenic and, and does all sorts of bad things to organics. So even being near Vex structures apparently does that. So they reapproach these things in robot bodies, sort of. And mm-hmm. it was later said about these future war cult machines that they, yeah, they could let you see these alternate timelines, but most people that go into them come out either insane or dead with really weird physics states attached to them, like they're frozen but still alive. <laughs> Just really strange, crazy <laughs> things. But my uh kind of speculated that like these drugs that they were using to try to prevent these strange things were happening weren't good enough that maybe if we had some kind of bodies that were immune to this effect well 
an exo body kind of basically yeah. fit the bill there. And she is now an exo, but it, it could be that her, she's really a, a human somewhere, some when else. And her time traveling may be just neural linking to this exo body that she can send through time or some sort of thing. But I mean, we know she's not a guardian. So right, and she says it, that directly. Yeah, it it may even be that she uploaded her consciousness into an EXO, mm-hmm. even just mm-hmm. to live longer. So yeah, yeah. and then she's attached a bit to Rasputin. Um, if you remember, I forget, is it a mission or a strike? It might be the one of the missions that you go back down into the Rasputin lair. There's this one console you can activate that kind of talks about. It takes like four pairs of eyes to open up this one locked door or something. But this console has been activated several times since the collapse. And it, I'd have to read it again to get the full gist of it. But basically, you kind of say, this is somebody that's probably time traveling that's doing this. And it, it could be her. So, hmm. so yeah, it definitely I, sounds wrapped up. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, don't, I think <laughs> well, I, they're obscuring it on purpose, or they just haven't written the next part of the story yet, and, and they'll get to it eventually. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping, I'm really hoping they do something to replace the grimoire in some capacity, just because yeah. I don't think in game with just cutscenes and and dialogue they can recreate the sheer massive amount of of lore mm-hmm, that's in the mm-hmm. grimoire. So I'm hoping they do like a log system or something. Yeah. But there was that one screenshot that was like never confirmed that right. had like a lore button. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll see, I guess. So what, uh, so Raga, when you're, when you're going through and, and you're looking to either write a back, bite-sized backstory or just follow sort of the thread of some of these various and completely separate grimoire cards that are actually linked somehow what's your process for sort of jumping down that rabbit hole and making sure that you have you're getting sort of all the story that you can find because we're at the point where there are what hundreds maybe maybe a thousand cards yeah um there's like a ridiculous amount of information there and making sure that you and sometimes you know a key element is only mentioned once Mm-hmm. Um, in some you know far off corner of of the grimoire section, it, do you, are there any specific tools that you use uh, to sort of follow sequences or anything like that? I mean, part of a reason I have a good memory. It kind of starts with that that I, I recognize phrases. So like with the the hive and the worm gods and stuff like that. That that kind of phrase it varied a little bit over time, but it was the oh something mine phrase help me link together that whole mystery of the dragons thing right right and then the the ishtar collective side has been very helpful over the past couple years because their search is really good so if i type in maya i'll get all sorts of cards back that she was mentioned once in there that's good if i typed in uh something like step you'll come up with a card about rasputin talking about an exo that's been stepping through time and it's just the word step will link them together. And then as for writing them, I use a, a neat little program called Scrivener that's a, it's kind of a writing organization program. It's got folders and 
and files and you can kind of make the structure the way you want. And instead of like having a ton of Microsoft Word documents, it kind of contains everything. Oh, that's nice. And so you can sort of tag like little bits of things and see what, what you ends can, up sort of I coalescing. <laughs> I, I, I kind of have this track collective open on, on one tab and I have this thing open and I, I switch back and forth between them and, and write it down. So that I probably should do tagging and neat stuff that I really don't. <laughs> I don't know. It seems to be working for you. So yeah, stick with what, what you got. Mm-hmm. What, uh, what, what are you most looking forward to for destiny two story? I think the destiny two story, like I mean, the, the point we talked about a little earlier where they came out and said that the cabal aren't linked to the darkness. Well, we saw in the, what was it? That PlayStation strike earlier that there's, um, what are they called? Not, yeah, the Taken. Well, the Taken were Oryx basically gained enough power that he went in and talked to whatever the darkness is. It was a consciousness that was pretty chatty and pretty upbeat about all the destruction. I mean, it, it called it, it said, what I do is majestic, it said to him. And then, then it gave him this power that he kind of sucks something in and he can rearrange it or restructure it and spit it back out under his control with new abilities and powers. And he used this on basically foes that the hive would not have been able to beat conventionally. He sucked in the giant leader. One time there was this giant space raven. He sucked it in and spit it back out and it destroyed its own race and stuff like that. And we saw that in the mission where he sucks in the big cabal leader that like, mm. can barely mm. damage and it comes back later. So I think what I'm looking forward to is, yeah, the cabal aren't of the darkness. They're not serving it. They're not worshiping it. They probably don't like it, but the darkness versus the light is the core story of destiny underneath it all. And to like the fallen, they got destroyed by either the darkness or the hive. And that's the reason they're here among us, trying to scrape along and trying to take back the Traveler. Well, the Cabal came because the Traveler's here. You know about the darkness, too. If they know about the Traveler. Right, yeah. And the darkness is probably, it's not, they're not serving it. They're not worshiping it. It's not controlling them. But if they know it's out there, that's a really good reason to want to be effectively immortal, to be able to fight the thing so you don't get killed by it. So I think we'll find eventually that the darkness does play a role, even in Destiny 2. And so I'm looking forward to that unfolding. Yeah, it'll be interesting because I, I think we can pretty easily say that Destiny 1 was about the hive in the mm-hmm. in the in the overarching story of destiny one um even though it started with the vex but uh i'm i'm curious to see even though it's they claim it's not about the darkness i mean we we're still gonna fight the hive and we're still gonna fight the vex mm-hmm. so we're gonna have stories that involve the darkness even if it's in an indirect way so yeah it'll be interesting I'm very curious what they're going to do with that. And then yeah, it sounds like we'll get a little bit more glimpse into the golden age. Cause like, uh, 
what's is it Nessus or is it uh, what's the one that uh, Ikora goes off to that moon? That's got a place that looks like the traveler actually sat down. It's got this kind of all these little pillars rising up in kind of a, a you know a sphere bottom of a sphere you know negative space that the traveler landed on. That's Io, I believe. Yeah, I think it's Io. So, and then out there on a Titan with all the water and stuff, there's that big arcology, you know, a, a big kind of city building, basically. Well, who built that? Is it uh, one of the, you know, the mega corpse that we've already kind of encountered in Destiny 1 a bit? Like uh, Clovis Bray, who, if you go through the Grim- Grimoire, Clovis Bray was had its hands in a lot of things and was doing research on light and the Traveler as well. But they also had some kind of hand in creation of the exos, and they had a they had a they they made Siva, yeah. You know the thing that we fought in the Rise of Iron. So, is this a Clovis Bray facility? That would be really neat, or maybe something new. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, we do have a new foundry, Vestia, I think it's called, mm-hmm. in uh, Destiny Two. So, I'm curious if that's the reason we find them is, and you know, they may not go into this much detail, but is it because it's on a new planet and that's where we find the new founder? That would be interesting. Yeah. It's interesting that there even is a founder because it always sounded like the city had all the the manufacturing capability. Yeah. Aside from, I guess the reef. So where'd we get a, a new line of guns come from, especially since we were just driven away. Well, some of the current foundries, though, don't they? Aren't they traced back to the Golden Age? Even I'm not sure. <laughs> They're not all post-collapse. And some of the weapons are definitely Golden Age, or at least partially Golden Age. And yeah, like I think Hard Light has something to do with Golden Age technology, and yeah. there's a few others that mention Golden Age technology. Um, super good advice. I think it's ability to teleport the bullets back into its its, brand, yeah. its magazine or whatever. I think that's explicitly said to be a golden age technology. So, yeah, that's interesting. Well, we are uh, on the verge of discovering a lot more. And as you pointed out, as you noticed, the beta is uh, just over a month away. Yep. Which is kind of amazing. We got in Bungie Day. Uh, we have no idea what's going on. I don't expect Ooh. much, but. Uh, hey, there's got to be an ARG. I want an ARG. Let's do it. I need, I need that, my new emblem. That would be sweet. Recently, I've been playing Crucible, and everybody sees my Song of Spheres that nobody can get anymore. Yeah. And it, it's got to be the rarest emblem out there at this point. I want another one of these that, that we can all get that nobody else will get for the next three years. <laughs> that would be fun. That would be awesome. The player base is slightly larger now. so <laughs> A little bit. A little bit. Don't you know nobody plays Destiny? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. What was it like? That, uh, where would, where did those stats come from uh, we were talking about a few days ago? There was where... an Ars Technica article a few days ago where they they basically skimmed or scraped the Xbox Live servers kind of by, you know how you can like see it list the games that somebody else has played? Mm-hmm. They found yeah. a way to automate that by jumping from gamer to ga- gamer tag to gamer tag to see what millions of people had played and about how long they'd played it. And Destiny came up as ranked number 10 
even and this they did this back around the end of the 2016 is like from like november to february or something who was it though so, i want to say someone from xbox yeah oh, my, what, what happened was that it was wildly Microsoft basically said that the the hours played number that you see is obfuscated away that it because you don't want somebody to see that I've played exactly 70,000 hours of whatever. Right. So that number is fudged a little. And when you, you're you trying to do statistics on numbers that are just fudged a little, but you're multiplying that by several million. It gets you know, fudged a lot. Accounts, it gets fudged a lot. And so I think yeah. that's basically what happened. Yeah, so they said several of them were incredibly inaccurate. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. like I think it was like they said, like the, just the time on the home screen... Yeah. was 11 times less than what Microsoft actually says it is. Like Microsoft said, y'all were 11 times off. The home screen yeah. is used 11 and times more. In terms of games are being played more than others, it probably is quite valid. Right. Yeah, it's probably valid there, yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure, uh, yeah, I'm sure there's probably enough that some of the games probably shuffle around, but mm-hmm. re- regardless, the, you know, with how many it's, games there are on Xbox, the fact that Destiny, mm-hmm. after it's been out for three years, is still in the top hand ten or even fifteen, is pretty impressive. Yeah, and I'm like people, you know, rag on Destiny so much. There's no new content. There's, you know, all this kind of stuff. Back in the Halo era, we got you know Halo Two, Halo Three, Halo Reach, or something. Maybe we got a multiplayer pack or two. Yep, and maybe. On the very rare occasion, we got a title update that changed the way you know yeah. melee worked or something. That well, you was never, what we got. You never Destiny, got. We've had constant s- support for three yep. years, and you never got a single new single player mission. Sure, sure, yeah. It's a whole new world. <laughs> I guess that's uh, that's the trade off, right? With the being connected online. Yep. Yeah, someday those Destiny One servers are going to go away. <laughs> Hopefully not soon, though. I, I, I don't think yeah. so. <laughs> yeah, I, don't think I so. wouldn't. I mean, you think it will last five more years? Oh, at least. It's probably one of those things where once you hit a certain point, there are few enough people playing that it's inexpensive to maintain yeah. what servers you do need. Mm-hmm. But yeah, at some point they'll want to change the infrastructure. I'm sure. But until I mean, then, they just. I mean, even Xbox just barely disabled Halo 2 multiplayer, so that was yeah. a long time ago. <laughs> a long time ago. Okay. Well, uh, I think that pretty much covers it. We're at like almost two hours. An hour and a half. <laughs> I was thinking this would be a short one since we <laughs> did one pretty recently. <laughs> yeah. Oops. We, we like to talk about Destiny. <laughs> yep. Just a little bit. And other things. I can't think of anything else, though. <laughs> wow. Horizon Zero Dawn. <laughs> I still got to play the first. <laughs> play that. Oh, good. Yeah, my list of like games to play is getting kind of ridiculous, oh, and it's only uh, going to get worse. Some other friends Have that you... There are very, very few games I will tell you to jump to the top of your backlog. That is one. I would say I don't care what else is on your backlog. You need to move it to the mm-hmm. top. <laughs> What was the uh, there was there was one more game Xenos uh, that Xbox showed during their briefing that I was like really into the art style for it was like uh, the last night or something. The last oh, yeah, night. That, 
Is that a Transformers movie? Oh, Five yeah. Pop- I think it was last night. Last night. Okay. It was. And it uh, was. I think it's the last night. It's a cyberpunk kind of side scroller. Yeah. But yeah, yeah like, if you haven't been connected, there's actually been quite a bit of controversy on Twitter, Twitter over that last couple of days. Really? Oh no. I don't want to get into it, but apparently the main developer had tweeted some things a few years ago that could be perceived as somewhat friendly to the GamerGate crowd. And um, oh dear, that's not good. <laughs> so that, a lot of people are saying boycott. I I think. Personally, I think it's silly to boycott it because one of the developers, and he's even kind of walked back a lot of that and said he didn't. You know, anyways, the game does look awesome. I would, yeah. What really grabbed me though was the art style for it. Like it was uh, that cool old pixel adventure kind of thing with like volumetric mm-hmm. lighting, and mm-hmm. it looked slick, and and looks very blade like a Blade Runner yep. style. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, that like instantly drew me in. So, yeah, that that looks gorgeous. Well, if anybody has anything else to add, this is the time. Nope. No. 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 <laughs> All right. Well, uh, I think that pretty much wraps it up for us. But thank you very much for joining us, Raga. It was a pleasure to have oh, you on the show. You're welcome. Mm-hmm. Pleasure to be here. Yeah. And uh, Speed and Xenos, as a pleasure as always. Yeah. Yep. And uh, I'm Bjorn, and we are signing out. We'll see you star side. That's how I end it, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. See you star. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a while. And then if Raga runs out of battery, then I'm just going to randomly start calling people on my Skype list, like friends from high school. And it's not like my iPod doesn't have <laughs> its own microphone. Maybe my I, grandparents. I just dropped down to it. You're saying. like, do you do you want to talk about destiny? <laughs> <laughs> my destiny? Anybody's really? Yeah, dear. <laughs> they're like, they're going to think that you converted to some crazy religion. <laughs> We have. It's called Bungie. <laughs> so, yeah, I haven't listened, like I said, to the Bungie podcast. Uh, I've barely paid attention <laughs> to what's going on with E3, so I'm going to really have to like lean on you guys. I'm going to ask questions, and it's going to sound <laughs> like I'm just being a good host to lead the audience along. <laughs> but the truth is, I have no idea what's going on. So, when's Destiny 2 going to be revealed? <laughs> uh, yeah, that was a while ago, Mr. Host. If you haven't paid attention, you don't actually know. <laughs> Yeah. This is episode 12, right?